So we're doing everything like this is a brand new show. Yep. Okay. So back to the uh... future. Back to the future. Remind me to tell you my story. We're sending you back to the future. Remind me to send you my story and send you pictures of 45,000 DeLoreans that drove down the street in downtown Spokane last weekend. Oh, that sounds... All in a row. What? Yeah, I've got pictures. I'll send them to you guys. There's 45,000 that still exist? Not 45,000. There was legit... I think it was like 22 we counted. So obviously there was some kind of meetup. Fake. Oh, yeah. yeah. And a couple of them had... the One had the Mr. Fusion on it, and two had the flux capacitors on it. Okay. It was rad. It was rad. Okay. Awesome. Let's get started. Now, chit-chat. Chit-chit-chat. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sailor. Hello. Hey, Matt. What's up? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And I tried to match your passionate voice. For Is it me, me you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm that Richie. Uh, you know that gif with the dog and someone puts the has the phone next to his head and it says, "Hello, I'm dog." <laughs> Why doesn't anyone ever No. Well, there's another there's another there's a meme that has like a, a like a you know, like you would see in movies or whatever, like missing posters they put on trees. Oh, yes, I've seen And that. it's like his picture, yes. Ronald Rich's picture, and it says, hello, is it me you're looking for? With yeah. like little yeah. like things you can tear you off. Take the the, phone yeah. Yeah. Yes. Here, this is the one. <laughs> I've seen that. It's hello, yes, this is dog. You've never seen this. I've never seen that before. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. get it. I don't know, but I find it so funny. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, I'm not the only one because it's been going around for about 15 years. So there you go. There you have it, my friends. Alrighty. This is the important stuff that you need to know uh, when you tune into Metal Rock and Whiskey, apparently. Anyway, yeah. So we've got a show tonight here for you. This is part two. Of our testament series um but before that i wanted to talk a little bit about we touched base on it last week about plastic mm. and uh so when we when i first found out about the product liquid death which is canned water it's just like bottled water but in a can um mm-hmm. So I had to read up, you know, a lot about, you know, what their mission statement was and everything. And I went down a rabbit hole of the reality of plastic, which I had no idea. I am such a good recycler. So it's I didn't wasn't concerned about what I was purchasing. I was concerned about what I did after I was done with it. I have reusable bags when I go to the grocery store. Um Wow. So when I learned that only a tiny amount of plastic can actually be recycled into another product, I looked at my recycling bin outside and I have one of the ones that it's like a roll rolling, you know, garbage thing. You yeah. push it out onto the street. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than me almost. And it's full every week. And here I am. Our garbage can is tiny and we maybe have one garbage bag a week and i'm thinking i'm being such a good earthling because i'm recycling <laughs> right earthling <laughs> well yeah <laughs> so That's i the looked, thought anyway yeah, yeah i looked in my recycling can and the majority of it i would say 97 percent of it is plastic 
And I'm wow. like, well, fuck, I'm just going to buy Christ. less plastic, right? Mm. Okay. So I walk into my kitchen and I'm like, dishwashing detergent, plastic bottle, dish soap, plastic bottle, my Adobe little scrubber, because I'm grossed out by sponges, plastic, my butter tub, plastic, milk cartons, plastic. plastic. Like, I, I, I'm not, my Tupperware, okay, it's not single use, but it doesn't last forever, plastic. And I've got like five cabinets full of it. Sandwich baggies, plastic. Okay, I walk into my bathroom, toothpaste, face wash, shampoo, conditioner, lotion, uh, toilet bowl cleaner. It, it's all fucking put my toothbrush, plastic, fucking everything. I, I walk into my bedroom, you know, some of my perfume bottles, makeup, lipstick tubes, plastic, plastic, plastic. It's fucking everywhere, plastic. So now that I will not touch another plastic water bottle, I have the liquid death cans in my house. I was traveling yesterday and I went into a truck stop and I went to get myself water and there is no canned water. The only canned water I could get was carbonated flavored water. And I'm like, shit, I had to buy a bottle, a plastic bottle of water. Mm. furthermore now i'm gonna have to keep that bottle in my car so that i can recycle it at home and hopefully it becomes something but probably not um or the thing about it is if it is recycled and become something else that something else is eventually gonna throw up be thrown away and end up exactly. in the landfill or worse yeah yeah exactly and i mean you don't have to be echo conscious to you know pay attention to this i i I'm a child of the 70s. I have looked at pictures. I think it was a few years ago. Someone came out with a series of photos from New York City. And then they did LA and a couple other cities of what it looked like in the 70s and 80s. And the smog. I can't fucking believe the difference. Mm -hmm. Everybody bitches about, I bitch about going and getting an emissions test on my car. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks, you know, like, oh, it's just the tree huggers with their emissions and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Dude, that shit's for fucking real. Yep. Look at those fucking photos. And I mean, did I know that I was walking around all that smog? No, of course not. Like you'd hear about, oh, the L.A. smog every once in a while. And there would be smog reports and shit like that. Like, okay. But I didn't recognize that I was breathing such unhealthy air. What if we never, what if we didn't do anything about that? Can you imagine what the air quality, we would all be wearing masks like some fucking <laughs> Fifth Element movie or something. Yeah. Like we definitely bullshit yeah exactly i (laughs) mean and that's not a joke like that's just that's like fucking reality and so then i think it was a couple weeks ago there was a a story that came out they went to the uh deepest part of the ocean we've ever been to as humans um and which is super cool and you know they come back with like little microorganisms and things like that Guess what was down there? I don't know if you guys read the story. Did not. Lots of trash, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Not lots of trash. Plastic. Huh. In the deepest depth of the ocean that we have been to. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, come on. And if you think that this doesn't isn't that big of a deal, we, the planet can't live without... I mean, everybody's going to die. Like, that's basically what it comes down to. So... 
it's pretty, I feel really helpless though, because, you know, I've been searching for alternatives to a lot of the shit that I buy. And I found, you know, a toothbrush company that makes wooden toothbrushes. Um, okay. But for a lot of other products, like I, I don't really have an option, you know, yeah. well, especially, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say on our own household, I know my, my daughters and my wife all have their own little steel, like stainless steel drinking straws they use. I have those all the time. They yet. used to buy regular plastic straws all the time. Yes. And, yeah. you know, that's one thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I think so for me, there's a greater challenge because. I'm very careful about the products I purchase. I will not buy any products that are tested on animals. I think it is the most deplorable, disgusting thing you can possibly do to use a vanity product and, you know, some other life form is suffering for it. You don't ever want to watch these videos. Just take my word for it. Agreed. Just please look at It's so simple. Just look at the bottle. If it has a little leaping bunny on it, it says cruelty-free, good to go. Trust me, you do, and you would be surprised. Some of the products that don't even go on your skin or in your body are tested on animals. It's fucking disgusting. So I'm careful that, I mean, you know, I'm buying cruelty-free products. I try to buy products that don't have parabens and chemicals and disgusting shit that's not supposed to go in your body. So that's like another challenge because all of those products come in plastic bottles. <laughs> so... I feel like it's really important that there's companies like Liquid Death out there. You know, I had no idea I was going to be educated like this. I just thought like, oh, yeah, what a great smart product. That's cool. Um, but it comes down to companies like them. They're the ones that have to make the change. Like, I can only do so much. Literally, what am I supposed to do? Stop brushing my teeth? Stop washing my hair? Like, <laughs> you have to buy this shit. If there was like a bottle that's like, okay, I'm aluminum and uh, or I'm paper, then I would say, okay, I have an alternative. I don't have to buy that plastic bottle. But for a lot of these products we talked about, I don't have an alternative or the alternative is really price prohibitive. And that's a big fucking problem. So I don't know. I was I, I just got freaked out. Like looking at the amount of plastic I'm using is I feel like I'm being a very bad citizen of the earth. Yeah. So I think one of one of the points you're trying to make here is that unlike plastic, um, aluminum is infinitely recyclable. Yes. Right. It is. Yes. It can be yep. recycled over and over and over again, and we don't need to, you know, fill the oceans with aluminum. Correct. And paper, you know, we flipped out about paper, and I think that's where a lot of this plastic came from, um, because. For example, laundry laundry detergent and dish soap. Remember, you used to be able to get the boxes of the granules, mm-hmm. you know, and now there's sure. either the pods or the liquid. Right. Well, I think there's only one brand that uses the box anymore because I was like, I'll just go back to that. I don't give a shit, you know, if I have spots on my glasses. Like, who cares? <laughs> you know, look, it's not that important. Um, paper, you know, we can plant more trees and we know how to recycle paper now. So... We have, yeah, I just encourage everybody, um, don't get overwhelmed like I did and go down the <laughs> the rabbit hole, yeah. but definitely try to see if you can do little things because, you know, I think by the time, hopefully I will live to be a very old woman, I'll probably have filled up a lake myself with plastic and that's 
that makes me feel terrible. That's a terrible thing. <laughs> yeah, and going back to what you said, Sailor, real quick about Liquid Death, and you know, obviously we thank them for backing our show um, and our network. Really, um, you know, I've seen on social media, you know, over the last few weeks, you know, they get some flack for their advertising campaign, but people, you got to look past that and see what they're doing, and what they're doing is very, very important. It's extremely important. Everyone should be paying attention to it. And uh, if we can even bring on this show a little bit, a little bit of light to that, and put it in perspective, uh, in the bigger picture, I think we're doing a great service to them and to what they're trying to do. Absolutely. And as whiskey drinkers, um, in our community, if you're not eco conscious, you're you're not being a responsible whiskey drinker because, you know, our distilleries these days are incredibly eco conscious. Mm-hmm. You know, they have learned their lesson the hard way. Um, you know, what an impact you can make on the environment by having just barrels spill, you know, or having a fire, um, you know, disposing of water a certain way or not being able to access enough clean water, you know. So um, it's a it's really become a very eco conscious industry. Um, and we work very closely with farmers. So farming is very important to the, you know, the whiskey and the, the spirits industry in general, of course, because we're distilling farmed product, um, you know, and farmers have, have learned their lesson as well, that they have to be very eco conscious. So I think that this conversation has to stop being seen as like, I, I'll, I'll see people make comments about the, like the silver straws, the, the, and plastic straw debate. Oh, these millennials fuck off. Like how hard is it? Like, what's the big fucking deal? You know, if people want to have an alternative to plastic straws, shut the fuck up. Who cares? You know, I mean, it's ridiculous or, you know, and I've seen comments on the liquid death, um, some of some of their posts and stuff, um, you know, people like, oh, the millennials and they're and they're worried about plastic bottles. Where did this mentality come from? Why isn't it just normal for us to be like, oh, yeah, that could harm the environment. Let's not do that. Why isn't that just a normal everyday sentiment i mean if we're really intelligent beings don't we want to protect the environment that we fucking live in yes like isn't that just kind of i don't know basic 101 of being a living being and you have three people on the show who aren't millennials who feel this way yes far from it far from it so my friends i encourage you to um go to liquid death website um read about them uh, you know, what they do with their cans and their name is really funny and they're really doing that to get attention. But really, it's just clean, bottled water. Uh, and, and it's, sorry, not bottled, but in a can. Canned water. Um, canned water. <laughs> um, actually, the other thing that's cool, too, that I thought about, I'm one of those weirdos that won't drink the bottled water if it's been in my car for like a month because I know that heat will break down the plastic and I can taste it. I swear to God, I can taste it. So I get, mm-hmm. like, geeked out by that. I can leave these cans in my car and it's fine. You know, like, I don't have to worry about that. So that's that's kind of cool as well. And honestly, it tastes better. Like, think about drinking beer out of a plastic bottle. Gross, right? Yeah. How about, I don't know if you guys have a soda preference. I cannot drink soda out of plastic bottles. I think it tastes 
so strange. No, but I do have a beer preference, and I always prefer a beer out of a can Same. than a bottle. Yes. Same. Yeah, I don't care what kind of bottle. Yeah, canned beer tastes way better. Yeah. It's like soda. For me, it's either can or t- or has to be fa- soda fountain, like with beer, draft or can only. Yeah. The water, the water just it just tastes better. So you know, and they look cool. So there you go. They do. That's my little PSA about plastic. <laughs> so get your shit together, everybody, and let's eradicate fucking plastic. All right, Ed. I mentioned early on that we we're going to be discussing Testament again because it's part two. Yes, you did. And we will continue the discussion. And battle our albums. Oh. <laughs> we'll just cut that part out and okay. try that, try that yes. again. <clears throat> Just, so just to yeah, just respond, just say yes and respond to me. Well, I was going. trying to. Okay. But... <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know if you wanted me to start again. Oh no. So tonight, as promised last week, uh, we will be battling Testaments to albums, the New Order, and practice what you preach. The New Order being from was it 1987 or 88? 88. 88, and then practice what you preach from 1989. 1989. Yep. All right. So who wants to go first? What are we drinking tonight? Are we doing that again? We're doing that again? Yes, it's a brand new show. It's a new show. We do the same thing that we always do. I don't have anything. I don't have anything new to drink, though. Still working <laughs> on that larceny. <laughs> oh, God. So you're, I have a new oh, Seriously, I would have gotten Say you're bottle. drinking larceny. So grab another bottle. Hold on. We knew we were doing this. I know, I know. Kelly, hi. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Mm. All right, cut. Yeah, cut. <laughs> oh, all right, I got it. So as always, we drink on this show. It is, of course, metal rock and whiskey. And, uh, you know, we usually go around the horn and talk about what each of us are drinking this evening. Uh, So who wants to kick us off with what they have in their glass? I can do it if you guys want me to go first. Go for it. You might as well, since you're off. I am drinking a Texas whiskey tonight. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. I know so, of two. Can I guess? Yep. It's one of the two, <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. There's Balcones. <laughs> yep. Is it, made for, is it made from blue corn? Uh, it's not, actually. Oh, it's the other one. I almost grabbed that. Almost. Um, so, last week, you were drinking Fire and Cane, right? Yes. Yes. And we started talking about funkiness, and I was relating the funkiness of Ed's Willet to the flavors I pick up from malt single malts. And it made me think of Balcones. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is what I get 
from Balcones. So mm. I went through all my crap. I couldn't find a bottle. So I went out and bought a new bottle. Um, so I'm drinking their Texas single malt. Um, I think one of the things about their whiskey is their barley. They use golden promise barley. Um, Matt, do you know about this? I would assume you might know a little bit about this barley. I do not know about the barley. No. So, you know, we talk about empire rye all the time. Yes. Um, I think they're going to try and do the same thing with this barley. So it's got a very distinct flavor. I heard that. I've heard that. I think, uh, I can't remember if it was whiskey cast or who did, a, a several tastings and talked about it. But I think I, t- I totally agree that it's got a very distinct flavor in my opinion. Um, I, you know, assuming that comes from this specific type of barley, um, this stuff is so freaking delicious. I did not want to like it. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, <laughs> their stuff is so good. Oh my god, their stuff is so good. So I'm new to them. I, I've ta- I did. I've done tastings in the past. I don't. I don't honestly remember what I tasted, but I was just like, okay. Um, maybe it was me. It could have been my palate or the other things I was tasting, but my God, you guys, this stuff is phenomenal. Um, also, don't you find it interesting when you read the flavor? So when you read the tasting notes from the brand and then you find, I always Google tons of reviews and you will find everybody's pretty much saying the same thing about this stuff. I love that. Um, so it's, so this stuff is, um, it's a hundred percent that golden promise barley. Um, they age it in several different type of casks. Um, it is, God, dried figs. You get nuttiness in here. Um, it's got a really nice dry finish, which I actually like in this specifically. I don't love super dry finishes in bourbon, but I actually am finding that in single malts, I like that. Um, tons of cinnamon and stone fruits all over the place. Like that's what I would say is the fig, the cinnamon and stone fruits are everywhere. Then you get that Mm. nuttiness, um, I don't get a ton of barrel in here, which is absolutely fine, even though I do love barrel all over the place in most of my whiskeys. Um, it's just such a phenomenally balanced whiskey. Mm-hmm. I would recommend this for everyone, especially if you are a scotch drinker and you don't think you like American whiskey. I would say this is your go-to. This Texas single malt is Unfucking believable. I am absolutely in love with it. And um, I don't know. For me, I just thought it was also like a really good whiskey to pull out for tonight's show because I feel like Texas has to battle for their place in American whiskey. I mean, as does really most whiskeys made outside of Kentucky yeah, um, and say. Tennessee, but them even more so because. Who the fuck thinks of Texas and goes whiskey? I mean, I don't. I don't know. Um, so Barbecue, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah. So, interesting about that 
golden promise barley. So apparently it's an early maturing spring barley. So, and they feel like it's the perfect um, depth of flavor for, uh, for single malts. And um, it's apparently was a cheaper barley with a higher yield. So um, it makes sense that they would use that, but they just, they do something. They do something in their barreling that just makes for absolute perfection. So I'm I'm in love, and that is what I'm drinking tonight. Sounds good. That's what that I'm awesome. curious about. Yeah, and that is I've heard like other people talk about. Oh that my god, as well. go get yeah. it, go get it. Fuck trying a dram first. Just go buy the bottle. And for for what it's worth, and I don't put much credence into medals or 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 scores no, or anything like that. But that whiskey has won. Over and over and over. Countless. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's in like the the dozens of dozens of medals and awards at Mm -hmm. different spirits competitions. Yeah. Um, But yeah, go go try it. That's all I can say. Yeah. I can back up Sailor and say, just go try it. It is just, yeah, I don't give credence to medals either because I feel like every single distillery I walk into, especially craft distilleries, every fucking bottle has a medal on it. I'm like, how is this? There's no way. It's, it's like, how many whiskeys won the gold medal that exactly. year? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there supposed to be one? I know. It makes zero sense. So whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't really give a shit about um, tasting panel. Like, the you know, the, the best whiskey in the world this year. I think oh, that shit's all stupid because it's also subjective. But when, the you know, a majority of drinkers say that they like it, that's when I start to listen. So that's me. What about you guys? Matt, we'll go next. So, yeah, I will. Uh, so, I have something kind of cool. Um, I have something from, it's actually from Buffalo Trace. Oh. Um, yeah. Piqued everyone's interest with that. Mm-hmm. Dropping those iconic words, Buffalo Trace. Except Ed does not like Buffalo Trace products. What? Oh. Yeah. Since when? What Buffalo Trace products do you like? Uh, William Leroux Weller, Elmer T. Lee. Um, what else do I got? Rock Hill Farms. Um, or Old Rip Van Winkle, 10 year. Can I go on? Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the toothpaste is just a minority. That was Eagle Rare. <laughs> <laughs> so. Harlan Wheatley, who is actually the current master distiller at Buffalo Trace. Um, I have a bottle that has been deemed his little pet project. So, what? yes, Hancock's President's Reserve. <gasps> single barrel. Single barrel. It is, mash, it is Buffalo Trace mash bill number two, which is the same as Blanton's. Mm-hmm. And boy, do the taste profiles line up pretty, pretty good. Ooh. Yes. So I will say that anyone who is actually looking for Blanton's, this is, if you can find this one, is a great alternative to Blanton's. So it's full bodied. You get a lot of honey, nice toasted oak, some spice. Um, this is also, at least in the market I'm in now, pretty limited. It's not as limited as Blanton's. You will see more of this out there. Um, but it is. Uh, it's an out of this world single barrel bourbon for under fifty dollars. You can't Damn. beat it. 
You cannot be there. I am jealous. I'm very jealous. Yes. Sounds delicious. So that is what I have. And I'm happy that I have it. Ed, what about you? Well, all of your talk last week about um, bookers and um, barrel-proof whiskeys got me um, thinking, hmm, I got a few uh, barrel-strength bottles myself, and tonight it's been a little while since I pulled it out, so I I grabbed myself um, a Bullet Bourbon barrel-strength, and... which I am a I am a big fan of. This bottle has been well loved. I think I'm down to about a third of the bottle left. Pause. But, pause. Uh, pause. Yeah. Pause. Sorry, we cannot talk about bullet on this show. I'm sorry. Ever. Ever again. I'm sorry. I we can't. Not this whole network can never talk about bullet, especially okay. right now. Bad. 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 Well, sorry. let us in on what's going on. You, so. Yeah. Uh, it's all, it's all, I can't believe you don't know. It's all over the news. Um, okay. So Hollis, I don't know if you remember two years ago, Hollis left Bullet yeah. and Diageo and made a statement as to why the allegations came out in full. Um, she was in a legal battle with Diageo and that is finished and she's free to speak now. Um, and she has spoken out about the, what her father, you know, she's a lesbian and um, her father is a fucking raging bigot. And um, the company uh, did not stand up for her. And um, what was done to her legally was bullshit. What, has, what was done to her in the press, her father um, made allegations when she left and was saying why she left, that she was discriminated against because she was a lesbian, which is factually true and has been proven now her father went on a fucking tour to talk about that she would she would show up to tastings drunk and all all this crazy shit she was on psychiatric medication none of none of it was true and this was his answer about his own daughter in public and forget that she was also a colleague fucking like disgusting disgusting so I've been watching other organizations and other groups handle this. Um, Black Samara from Black Bourbon Society. I learned. I watched. She wow. She did a really good job. It came up in conversation in the Black Bourbon Society, and she shut it down and said, um, "She said there's a reason why for the past two years I've never talked about Bullet. I will never promote Bullet. Bullet is not to be talked about or discussed in this group." And she basically said, read the mission statement and the charter of the of the society, and it aligns with this. So our network um, is against discrimination, um, big time. Our network uh, is pro-equal rights and equality, and Bullet does not align with that. So I do not want that brand on the show or the network at all. It is a... Fair enough. It is... Good to know. It's disgusting. I haven't. So, and you know, what's interesting is when this came out, I had just joined the ABV network and I said to Steve, I'd like to talk about this on a show. And apparently Chrissy had said the same thing to him as well. And he shut us down. No, no, there's two sides to every story and (laughs) bullets, a sponsor and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but what are you, what? Why wouldn't we just talk about it as news? Like it was huge news all over the community. 
Oh, cause yeah, I remember he had Tom Bullitt as a guest on the show, and uh-huh. you know he didn't want to burn that bridge, or you know exactly. Well, we know he's a piece of shit, so there you go. Those two pieces of shit. Wow. So I'm sorry to do that to you. I didn't even think. I I just all right. honestly didn't even think about it. No, that's okay. I mean, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, I'll pretend it's Jack Daniels barrel proof. Okay. Because I got some of that. Okay. Perfect. Bye. All right. Sorry. All right, so um, after hearing you talk about um, the Bookers last week, it really got me thinking about barrel-proof or barrel-strength whiskeys. I personally don't have a bottle of Bookers right now, but what I do have is a bottle of Jack Daniels single-barrel barrel-strength Tennessee whiskey. So good. which is I'm going to go out on the limb and could well I'm going to say that's not it's my opinion okay I'm not going out on a limb here it's my favorite product that they put out um, I know there may be others that no. people might say are superior I, that I, I haven't second, tried yet I second that Ed, I, I second it yeah I agree yeah the barrel proof is the best but yeah that um, total um I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's just brown sugar. You got. Uh, I've heard people talk about bananas, Foster, um, all that. That's you know you, you get a lot of that from from the Jack Daniels brand. Um, it's it's a lot different from any other uh, barrel strength um, bourbon that I've ever had. Um, really good stuff, and the price point is not that bad when you all things considered. Um, it is a little higher for a for a daily. If you, it's, I wouldn't really call it a daily drinker price range, but you know, for every once in a while, if you want something really special, something really good, um, it's definitely one to keep keep in your liquor cabinet for sure. I cannot. I don't know what it is, but I cannot drink Jack Daniel's products. I there is something about the taste. That I just can't do. Even that gentleman Jack, I so I I I t- did a tasting. There was a some kind of single barrel. There was the gentleman Jack and that guy, and something else. And I was like, I could tell. I just you know. And then I had it, and someone got me a cocktail with the gentleman Jack in it at an at an event. And I freaking t- I was like, something is weird in here. <laughs> And I think it was just like a Manhattan or something. And I'm like, what is in here? And she's like, oh, it's the Gentleman Jack. I'm like, I, there's something about, <laughs> I don't don't care for it. It's so I, weird. I, I don't like it either, but that is the one that I can drink. That's the only one. Is the barrel yeah. proof. Yeah. I can't, I don't know. There's There's a very distinct, which good on them. You should hopefully, you know, as a brand, you want to have such a distinct flavor profile, but. I mean, I know the rest of the world loves it. I'm just the one weirdo that doesn't, I guess. Well, Jack Daniels actually was my gateway into the whole uh, whiskey and bourbon world. Well, um, that was the first, people, you know. Yeah. Um, that's the one that's always out there, you know, on every single bar you go into. They have you mm-hmm. know, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam. Um, and, you know, and I know we've been talking lately about um, just you know, lazy cocktails, whatever. A good Jack and Coke every <laughs> once in a while is, is really good, Al. 
Oh, I can tell so, uh... if it's Jack in there. And even with the Coke, I can tell every time when someone, you know, I've been to events where it's just like, you know, you have your choice of like, it'll say a whiskey and Coke or a gin and tonic and you don't know what the fuck spirit is in there. Mm-hmm. Every time I can tell, even with the Coke, I'm like, give me right. more Coke in here. We have to call it on this show. We have to call it a Lemmy. Yes, we Jack should call it a Lemmy. We have to call it a Lemmy. Yeah. All right. I've tried, I've, I'm doing that. I'm down with that. Good for you. Yes. Yes, because it doesn't have to be Jack Daniels. <laughs> it can just be a whiskey and coke. Yes. <laughs> All right. Matt, did you go? Yeah, I talked about Hancock's. Oh, yeah, that's right, Hancock's. Yeah. I don't know what just happened to me. I was thinking about the flavor of Jack Daniels, and it wiped my mind. No. So this week, I don't have a whiskey segment per se. Um... I, last week, I paired Booker's bourbon with uh, Testament, and um, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it, please. I thought it was pretty cool, Um, but I did go back to another product, um, Little Book. Have you guys had Little Book? Yes, I have. That's one I actually have had. What did you think of Little Book? I thought it was good. I really liked it. Matt? I have not tasted it. Unfortunately, oh, really? I missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's very limited edition. Um, it's, it's really, I think at this point, it's really hard to find. Um, I secured a bottle of it right when the first one came out. I think it was, I was still in Ohio. So I went, I went down to Kentucky and got it right over the river. Um, so I thought I would go to the little book and try and remember if it how close it was to Booker's. And, um, you know, I see the relation to it, but I think it is definitely its own. It's its own expression for sure. But I like the, I like the relationship there is with it. So um, I still for me would go back to Booker's every time rather than little book, but that's just me. So that was really it for the whiskey segment tonight, aside from what we were all drinking. So uh, how about we get into this discussion? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let the battle begin. But first, Let's just remind the listeners and ourselves what the fuck we're talking about. Okay, so Testament has left a legacy as one of the leaders of the second wave of thrash metal in the 1980s, as well as being known as one of the most influential Bay Area thrash metal acts. We are starting with The New Order. It was released in May of 1988. This was the album that broke Testament into the thrash metal mainstream. It was the first Testament album to enter the Billboard 200. It remained on the chart for 13 weeks. And in August of 2014, Revolver Magazine placed the New Order on its 14 thrash albums you need to own list. And I would absolutely uh, say they should be in a top five uh, mm-hmm. list like that but yes it, it definitely belongs there so um so let's talk a little bit about this album everybody's thoughts on it and, and we'll see uh where this goes it's it's 
the cover is definitely iconic if you were a thrasher mm-hmm. back in the day or metalhead it's got you know the earth and it's space and it's got the testament logo at the top of it it's very of the time i think if we were to do a google search of albums in the 80s that had the planet earth in it i think there's a journey album right there's there's probably yeah. like every boston, five bands boston yeah yeah, yeah. yeah there's boston. Just tons of yeah. them tons europe of them. europe asia didn't yeah. asia do one asia too? did one too yeah, yeah. see they're just everywhere they're everywhere um, yeah so this album was recorded in Ithaca, New York, um, and it came out on Megaforce. Of course, we've talked about Megaforce uh, records mm-hmm. on our last, on part one um, of the series. And um, I think, so I wanted to read you guys this. This is from um, Alex uh, Skolnick. He said, we barely got done with our first couple of tours on that first album cycle when we were informed that we had to have another album soon. Um, he said, we got spooked in a way because we never had to come up with music on the fly. By the time we finally recorded the album, we neglected to look at our recording contract. We actually had it in our contract that there's a minimum of 40 minutes of music. And we clocked in just under that. Oh, shit. So he says, our album was promptly sent back. And then we added the Aerosmith tune and those little instruments and extended a couple of sections. And uh, that was all done so that we wouldn't breach our recording contract. Oh my gosh, I remember I read about that too. It's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because uh, I've a, a lot some some very large acts back in the day um, that wanted to leave their record companies. And their companies are like, "Well, you still have two records to give me." Would just like record one long piece of shit song and be like, "Here you go, here's your yep, record." Yeah. Because it didn't specify, or it'd be like you know, 12 two-second songs. It didn't specify the duration, so I'm sure that's, what, <laughs> that's where that's where Yeah, some bands, some bands work better under pressure like that. Yeah. And I think and these some, guys fit, I think these guys fit that bill, definitely. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah. So, thoughts, guys? Well, I, for one, am new to Testament. Um, that sounds kind of funny. Wow. Um <laughs> All I can say is, man, where have you been all my life? Right. I, right. dude, I'm so gosh, glad. Now. I'm so glad. Gosh, Me too. I'm man. so glad too. Um, I so wish I would have been into them when I was in high school. Got I would have, but but the thing is, being it was so much harder to be exposed to different kinds of music back in that day. Yeah. You know. I did, had no one to introduce me to it. Obviously, it was you weren't going to hear it on the radio. Um, no. <laughs> but no. man, um, I am a huge fan now after listening to these two albums. Um, yeah, I mean, there was no... You weren't going to hear them on the radio. Yeah. You weren't going to see them um, on MTV. So really, you're two, you're, you had three outlets, I would say. Or maybe four. So you would have... You go to live shows, and they just happen to come through your town... As an opening act, because they're small this time, right? That's right. one yeah. way. Yeah. The second way would be if you were into tape trading, and I don't know, you would if you were into listen. I used to say you can send me stuff I don't know about because I wanted to be exposed to new bands, or you had a friend that's like, oh, listen to this, which is how I got exposed to tons of music. Um, like I said, my my best friend was my neighbor. Her older brother is responsible for a lot of the music I know. Um, and music magazines like Hit Parader, 
um, Metal Hammer, Circus. Um, sometimes they would write about new upcoming bands. But then you had to go out and buy the tape, right? You couldn't just... Like, you had to trust the magazine, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then just go buy the tape. Or the right. I'll tell you, right out of the gate, um, with, I think, what's the first track? Eerie Inhabitants. Mm-hmm. It's just so, so reminiscent yeah. of yeah. old school, like, mm-hmm. Metallica. Yeah. Early, very early Metallica. Even the vocals, I oh, got yeah. a lot of like the the style, the 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 sound of the vocals. It was very reminiscent of early, early Hetfield. James Hetfield. Yeah. Yeah. And um, as I yeah. listened to more to this, I could see how they've influenced other other bands later on. I could hear um, Phil and Salmo. In some of the vocals, I could hear Rob Zombie. I could hear um, even a couple little snippets, maybe a little Sebastian Bach in parts. But um, yeah, you could Dude, tell. Man, like yeah, you're right though. You, like Chuck Chuck Billy is one of those guys. He fits all. He 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 fills all the holes for me as a yeah. musician. And all those comparisons you made. I think there's a little bit of every of those guys in him too. I, yeah. I do feel that way. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's predating some of those guys. You oh know? hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, and I've got a confession to make. As soon as I I listened through this the first time, and I went through and I listened through it a second time, and, and I was sold. I went immediately went to Amazon and bought the MB3 album. <laughs> <laughs> See, hell this yeah, is, Ed. Hell this, yeah. This blows my mind, and I. This is why last week I did the pairing the way I did it because I still today I feel like I'm converting people to the Old Testament constantly. <laughs> I don't understand. I've never understood if you like people they're like, "Oh yeah, I've been listening to Metallica since day 1." And I'm like, "How the fuck have were you not listening to Testament also?" Yeah. Or you're a Megadeth fan from early on. How the fuck were you not listening to Testament? Like, I, do, I don't understand that. Exodus. But you don't know Testament? How the fuck? I, I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I'd put them right up there with, with like, Megadeth. Um, as far as, you know, that's another thing. Dave Mustaine, too. I, I even got a little Mustaine oh, out yeah. of his vocals. Absolutely. Too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. It's just. Yeah, I could go on, but Matt, what about your impressions? What do you think? I mean, I've heard this album a few times from start to finish, and this is going to sound pretty incredible because the track "Nobody's Fault." I only made the connection today that it was an Aerosmith cover. Ah, <laughs> really? No, honestly, and, and and it's from the album Rocks, and that's one of my favorite Aerosmith albums, and I never actually like made the connection because he makes it sound so good on this album here. And, you know, I have to second everything that Ed said. Everything that he said is absolutely true. Um, I do have experience with this band. Uh, I think that they should be in the discussion for Big Four. Yep. Obviously, we talked about that with Exodus, yep. where mm-hmm. you know we all kind of felt that Exodus should be that fourth band coming up, kind of bumping Anthrax down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to put Testament in that discussion too. I mean, they were there; it was the time. They came out of the gates hot. Um, 
and you know this album it's you know it's, I it's, think they should be there over Slayer uh, I would yeah, agree I do I would well, I know, like, you well, know, I know you would all know how I feel I know about you Slayer. Would I know you yeah. yeah but I'm a huge Slayer fan and I still say if you know if you're, stylistically okay. I would say if you had to make a choice I would slide Testament in and put well, Slayer down exactly like, if you back them if up a little down a little if yeah. you're talking purity of sound and mm-hmm. what you're trying to uh, group by sound and how closely it is to what thrash really is i agree with you um but i think that they slide in a few years later than all those other bands so obviously their first album's 87 so i think that they're a little bit late to the game on that i guess that's why well they're late to the game and yeah. in recording but not in playing that's true and forming i mean that that's the thing see this is something that we need to be really conscious of because it's just so different today but they formed in 1982 you know they were playing out heavily since 1982 they're there at the same time they they're right on par with everybody else mm-hmm. and predate some of those other bands honestly so yeah so the one thing i was going to say about this album um and not not to get off on a tangent here, but usually, you know, we record these shows on Wednesdays, and on Wednesdays I usually have a day off, so I'll, you know, I'll do what I have to do around the house, go to the gym, I'll put on whatever albums I'm listening to, and you know, I'll do my workout. And I gotta tell you what, first four songs in this album, probably the best sets I've had in a long time at the gym. Like these <laughs> songs, I'm telling you, like there's something about how they structure their songs and the fucking riffage in the, and these songs oh, and yeah. like into, into the pit is fucking great. It's riffage. just like an old school that. riffage. It's just, it's I just old it. school, just heavy, murky, thick riffs. It's so good. It's so good. Um, so I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. I feel that this album and I think I said, I think I said I said something similar with Exodus. I feel that this is everything. This album gives you everything you want out of an early American thrash album. You know, there are a couple of bands where their first albums could be dictionary definitions. You know, if an alien comes down, what is American thrash? Let me play you this. Yeah, this is one of those albums for yep. fucking sure. Um, I've been a fan for a very long time. I saw them live, you know, with everybody else back in the day, um, just really because of my geography. I, I lived in a very big city and, and things came my way a lot. Um, I, what, when I knew we were going to cover them and we put them on the, on the schedule, I went back and started listening again and I'm like, oh my God, I remember why I used to love them so much because this is what I loved about Metallica. This is what this this is the sound that I love out of these bands. And this album is to me the quintessential example of the sound that I absolutely love and adore and brings me back and and gives me that feeling that I had that I had about Metallica, which formed and I keep going back to Metallica because they're the ones that they were who I was first introduced to. 
and began to appreciate thrash. So, you know, they're the epicenter for me. Um, there is something about this album that is a time capsule. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. And I think it's so well formed for being, um, you know, even though they were a band for quite some years to only be their second studio album, I think it's in the short amount of time. Again, we've talked about this before as well. You were not in the studio for months back then. You didn't start no. talking about writing an album last year, you know, and then you like now it's like 2018. It's uh, there's some talk that there's going to be an album coming. And then 2019, <laughs> they're like, well, we're in we're in pre-production. It was like, dude, you've got two weeks. Get it together. Go record your fucking album. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. So, uh, yeah, I love this album. Now I was watching in a one of their little yeah. films on the making of um, one of the, the the albums or songs. They're talking about how they didn't they didn't track separately. They purposely all wanted to play together, mm-hmm. and um, just cause for the feel and um, energy. I guess the energy, yeah. yeah. So, but um, yeah, that's whatever they did. They did it right. Yeah, you know. And are we ready to go to the next album? Yes. Yes. All let's right. just, yeah. Before we make any declarations, let's let's move on to the next album that we are going to be putting up against this album. And this is Practice What You Practice. <laughs> Matt, you're such <laughs> no, an no. asshole. No. It's Preach What You Practice. <laughs> Who or put practice, practice what you, preach, what you, you practice? What, what are you talking about? You changed it. And no, did I, you do that? Oh, bullshit. No, that I was didn't you. Do it. I did not I do didn't that. do that. I plead <laughs> I not guilty, touch. Your Honor. I didn't All right. touch that. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> Practice what you preach. <laughs> was but you should, listeners, <laughs> you should always practice what you practice. <laughs> what you practice. you yeah. should also preach, what, preach you what, what you practice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Unless what you practice is crap. Then well, don't preach about it. But at least you're... You're talking about what you actually do. I don't know. Anyway, so this album comes right on the heels of The New Order. So The New Order, remember, was May of 88. This album is August of 89. That's fucking fast. But again, that's what they used to do back then. Somehow they could get their asses off the ground and do it. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with bands today. Um, So the title track of this album was... Critics and historians call it a moderate mainstream rock hit. I would argue that. Again, I think you're looking at that with perspective, and that's incorrect. I would call this a very big hit at the time. Yeah. Um, Because it was a small, such a smaller world, especially for thrash. Mm. Um, It featured a music video that got pretty substantial MTV airplay. Um, And I don't know if you guys remember, it was the... It was the there. The ballad. There's a lot of no, no, no. The the <laughs> title track. Um, oh, okay. The, they had yeah. the pyrotechnics and they're in the like alley, you know, yep, yep. downtown area or some shit. I don't know. It's fucking awesome. Um, so then there was the ballad, and the ballad also got um a lot of airplay, um, and on MTV too because ballads were very popular at the time <laughs> from the rock band. 
the ballad. But the I funny never... thing is, it's only a ballad for like the first half. Yeah, it really of is. The song. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just screw this. Let's jam. Let's, I wonder. I, it's, it's funny because I remember thinking at the time, and I thought this again. It's kind of it's funny, like how your thought process can remain the same. When I listened to it and was watching the video, I was like, I wonder how many people were like, start that were not thrash fans or metal fans were listening to it, like, oh, I like this, and all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck is this? Halfway through the song, yeah, well, it's probably tongue in cheek, you know. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so, uh, so within a couple of years, this uh, album had sold over 450,000 copies in the U.S., which is a was it was a really big deal then to sell that many. Um, copies of a record as a uh, band in a category that was not getting really mainstream attention. Um, I find it interesting that it's never been certified gold by the RIAA. I feel like that is a miss, I would assume, at this point in time. And I think you just contributed to that, Ed. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh so we said this came out in 89. 89 is quite a year for metal. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they're talking about the typical things, the occult, politics, society. I feel like James Hatfield was the only one writing about the Civil War over and over and over and over and over in his music when everybody else was talking about more relevant theme. <laughs> uh <laughs> Um, so, okay, let me hear your thoughts, guys, before we get into, like, the the meat of this a little bit more. Well, for me, it's just a continuation of the goodness. Mm -hmm. You know, this album, I mean, this could be, like, a double-disc set, and, you know, it's like, (sighs) I don't, I mean... (laughs) There might be a minor change in sound, but not much. I mean, this is just just continues on what they've been been doing. Listening to this, I enjoyed this pretty much as much as the first as the the previous album, The New Order. Um, man, this is this is a tough one. Um, <laughs> so good, so good, and for me to 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 be able to pick one of these over the other. I almost thought about doing a coin toss. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But yeah. So what are your favorite tracks on um, this album? That what are your standout tracks? uh, Practice what you preach. Of course. That was a a really good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. It's it's tough because, like I said, I I'm not a not a haven't been listening to them very long. I've lif- listened to this album, I think, a total of two times. So trying to remember exactly which tracks stood out to me is a little bit of a challenge. Um, I feel like al- this album tracks with a lot of albums from back then, where the best tracks are all at the beginning. And then yeah, the album kind of peters out, yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But there, there is no in either of these albums. There are no songs that I that I hate. None of them. Um, 
know, granted, I do like some more than others, but um, yeah, I just remember all I know is my impression. I know my impression of this album was extremely favorable. And it was I had to go back and forth. I mean, I have formed an opinion which I'm going to pick in my head, but it was tough. It was really, really tough. Matt, what about you? Well, this album actually it it does hold kind of a place in my heart a little bit because you know as a younger person um, who was into metal and thrash, um, you know I was into the Metallicas and the Megadeth Slayers, obviously as I've testified on this show many a times, um, and you know I had a a friend. You know, one of the jobs I worked in over the years, who was a huge metal fan, a huge thrash fan, was probably 20 years my senior, um, who said, oh, you've only tapped the surface of this genre. Mm. And one of the first albums that he, you know, when you were burning CDs back in the day, (laughs) one of the first albums he burned for me was Practice What You Preach. From Testament. And he said, here, listen to this. And this album is fucking amazing. It's amazing. Um, you know, the the title track is... It's one of my favorite metal songs of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, their it most really, famous song. It's their most famous... Period. It's, it's, clearly, it's their most famous song. Yeah. Um, but it's also one of my favorite metal songs... Uh, and I think, you know, what you said about the album being front heavy and tapering out. I mean, I'm going tracks one through seven on this album and I'm completely invested in it. Um, it's not till uh, the ballad (laughs) that I kind of fall, that I kind of like, okay, all right. I guess you got to throw one of those on there, you know? Um, but you know, the instrumental, you know, I'm all for that too at the end. Um, it's very, I guess, of what a thrash metal album would be. I mean, a lot of those guys had instrumentals on their album near the end of the album yeah. at that time. Uh, but it's just, it holds a place in my heart. And this album is just, if, if you're looking for a quintessential 80s metal album, this is there. It's mm-hmm. in the conversation. It's in the conversation. You're talking Rust in Peace. You're talking all those other albums we've discussed ad nauseum on the show. This is in that conversation for me. So this album is fantastic. Fantastic. I remember this. I remember Practice What You Preach, the song, being on every single episode of Headbangers Ball for the longest time. I mean, you could pretty much guarantee you were going to hear the song every, what was it, Friday nights? or Was Mm -hmm. it Friday nights or Saturday nights? Like back in the day, I can't remember. It was, one it of was Fridays. Yeah. Might, I think I think so. I, I want like to say Fridays. Friday. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah. Again, like so. How I say this is another one of those dictionary definitions of thrash yeah. metal. I think this song should uh, be preserved as a dictionary definition of American thrash metal in the eighties. Um, and the time it came out to was just the sweet spot time. Uh, 
I I think though here's and this is kind of a minute of a tangent. I feel like Megaforce did not back them properly. And I don't know why. I feel like Megaforce held them back a little bit. They didn't give them the support that they were giving some of their other bands that went on to be much, much bigger and much, much more famous. I don't think that their, I think their lack of fame was certainly not due to their talent. It wasn't due to their likability. It wasn't due to their lack of touring. I feel like they needed more from Megaforce and I don't understand why they didn't get it. I don't. I think they could have been the next Megadeth. In my opinion. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point because even though back in those days Metallica and Megadeth were not mainstream bands, but yet I heard of Metallica, Mm -hmm. I heard of Megadeth, Mm -hmm. but I never heard of Testament. Mm -hmm. So. Exactly. I I, I don't, it'd be really interesting to know what, you know, why and what decision you know i just in that time frame it seems strange to me especially once they started i don't know once they saw that they were you know they were getting good rotation on mtv i don't know why they didn't push them better why they didn't realize how likable they were um it seems strange to me I, i think they had everything that you want when you're a label head you want a band that's willing that's good number one that's likable and then a band that's willing to tore their brains out it's that's the perfect fucking band mm. especially when they're playing super relevant music of the time and they were they had all of that so i i don't understand you know i know that often labels will hold back some bands because they want to focus, they just they ha- they have this one band and they want to put everything behind that one band and focus on them, and they will hold back other bands. And I think, you know, Testament, you know, Testament is a perfect example of that, in my opinion. You know, I don't know. I I feel like that that's a big question mark in my brain. Yeah, I think they um, missed the boat on that definitely. Absolutely, I would agree. absolutely. It's to their own detriment, you know. Of course. Yeah. Um. I love this album as well, and I agree with you about like a double disc set, and I that's why we're battling these two albums yeah. because to battle any other albums up against either one of these albums would be like too easy. It'd be like a no brainer. Um, these two albums could be one full album, you know. Uh, it's a perfect continuation of the new order for me. Um, I I I I absolutely love this album. So I I think <laughs> I think it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. The listeners are going to um, get a chance to listen to a little bit of music, and um, when we come back, it's going to be time for us to make a decision. And, you know, who knows if we will have a tie or if we will push one album forward. Who will win the new order or practice what you practice or preach what you (laughs) practice or practice what you preach? (laughs) We'll be right back. Oh, man. I had to be. Well, if you're going to, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. All right, I will too. 
Okay. Glad you like Testament. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I hope you like Overkill just as much. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I know I I was I liked Exodus. Let me listen to them too. But I I don't think I like them quite as much as I like Testament. No. Yeah, Testament's a little bit I don't know. I guess a little more palatable yeah with their sound but the prick I'm look, just looking up that metal head-to-head on YouTube and looking at all the different matchups they got here. Yeah. Um, they got Dream Theater's Mike Portnoy and Hailstorm's Era J. Hale. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that Satriani and Vinnie Paul. I definitely want to see that. Watch that one. Interesting. Oh, my gosh. Ace Freely and Trans Siberian Orchestra's Chris Caffrey. <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. Uh, I gotta watch all of those. Yes. Okay. Um, Is it a Run DMC shirt? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, Matt. Um, yes. I want to do a quick what are you listening to before we end the show tonight. Okay. All right. I'll take us back, yes? Go for it. Okay. All right, and we are back. Hopefully you enjoyed those wonderful wonderful sounds from Testament. All right. Uh, I feel like we are just prolonging the <laughs> madness here. <laughs> so enough right. fucking around. It's time for us to vote. We are oh. going to go around the room. Uh, we're just going to do it like this. It's New Order against Practice. Who wants to start? 
Well, I'll go ahead. I've been going first for these, so I'll just go ahead. Okay. Because yeah, I can't choose yet. Tradition. <laughs> like I said, I mentioned earlier, I at one point, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to toss a coin and whatever I get, I get. Because I could not make a decision between these two albums. But then I'm looking, I'm going through it, a, going through them a second time. And then I hit one track, and I'm like, okay, this is it. This is going to be the tiebreaker right here. (laughs) (laughs) And the tiebreaker was the instrumental musical death. Okay. On the New Order album, which I absolutely love. (laughs) Um, it, It is a piece of art. And like I said, if I had to choose between two albums, I would probably just because of that, I would probably because it's so evenly split, I would pick the new order for that for that track to have that track on there. Okay. All right. So one for the new order, not to be confused with the band New Order. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Matt. It's you, my friend. So this is, as Ed mentioned, an extremely difficult toss-up. And it really is a toss-up. Two albums that are very similar. Um, I would like to liken it to kind of Ride the Lightning and Puppets, to put it in kind of perspective. Puppets, you mean? Puppets. Puppets. Yes. (laughs) Very similar layouts, very similar in the way they arrange their tracks. Um, Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, as great of a workout as I had with New Order, um, the sentimental value of being introduced to the expanded world of thrash metal with Practice What You Preach um, overrides, uh, for me, uh, New Order. So I have to go with Practice What You Preach because it, it was a step in my musical library that i can't undo that i can't discount mm-hmm. um and then listening to these albums again now uh it just reiterated that fact so i have to go with practice what you preach very interesting mm-hmm. so yes. we have one for the new order and one for practice what you preach so it looks like i'm going to be the tiebreaker yes <laughs> dun 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 Fuck you guys. <laughs> this is unfair. This is unfair as fuck. Um, all right. So the new order was my first love when it comes to Testament. Practice what you preach is un just an unfucking believable album. Um, sometimes I do this by well. I can't do away with X and X song, you know, like without the song trial by fire into the pit, you know, I, I, I I have to have those songs. So therefore I choose this album. So that's kind of what I have to do here. Um, but ultimately I feel like for me, Testament exists in this very specific time and place and that specific time and place Although they're so close together when these albums were made, 
practice what you preach is a continuation of the new order, in my opinion. So that puts new order, the new order first. So I'm going to have to go with the new order. Sorry, Matt. Can't go wrong either way. You can't. No sailor rule, no tie, nothing like that. (laughs) What? It's not a sailor rule. Yeah, we got three votes. There's no tie. There's no tie. No, I'm saying like no, like, you, you know. Oh, no, no. You're not, not backing out way. of this decision. No, okay. no, okay. no. no. Okay. I feel like I, it wasn't impossible for me to choose. It uh, was possible. It, it was hard. This was difficult. I've been thinking about this for a while because I knew these were the albums we were going to. I mean, I, there was, to me, no other choices for what ba- albums we were going to battle. And it's it's the new order. So, officially, the new order wins. So says Metal Rock and Whiskey. And that makes it. So, I guess. <laughs> the new order reigns supreme. That is true. So I'm going to take my gavel, which is my big giant knife, and say the new order <laughs> is the best album from Testament. But, but still, still always practice what you practice. Still always practice what you practice and preach what you yes. practice. It's very, very important. Great. So that ends our battle segment. That ends our discussion on Testament. And um, I'm excited for what we have coming up uh, next week. We are going to still be discussing the uh, rest of the best of thrash metal. Um, so uh, we'll keep it a secret, shall we? Mm-hmm. What we're going to do next? <laughs> we shall. Okay, so you'll just have to tune in, right? Yes. Right. All right. All right. So as we do on many of our shows, we go around the horn and kind of discuss uh, what we're listening to currently, podcasts, anything like that. We haven't um, done that in ages. I know. It's been quite a while since we It's been quite a while, but I'm yeah. bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. So, um... I have been listening to House of Hair. Have you guys listened to that? <laughs> no? Doesn't that sound like, doesn't sound like something I'd listen to. <laughs> really? House of Hair? Yeah. No. Is that like the new version of Hairbangers Ball? Uh, Hairbangers Ball? <laughs> House of Hair? Really Tonight cool. on House of Hair! Faster <laughs> Pussycat! <laughs> Pastor Pussycat of all bands. That's fucking <laughs> awesome. So, okay. Uh, we're going to, I'm I'm not going to touch that one, pun intended. <laughs> oh. oh, God, that's not going to age well. So, The House of Hair is a podcast by my friend, D. Snyder. We are, we are Twitter friends, and um, it's fucking awesome. He's basically like House of Hair is all about. If it's not metal, it sucks. Oh, um, if it's D. Snyder, it has to be awesome. Yeah, it's super. It's super awesome. So, I highly recommend you listening to it if you haven't already. Um, and also, I think I've mentioned the Whiskey Cast several times on the show. I believe, but sometimes I feel like I don't mention it enough. Um, if you, I mean, do you guys ever listen to the Whiskey Cast? Yes. I, I feel like to it a few times. it's so great because it gives you just like um, up to the minute 
whiskey news, like industry news. And then they also do interviews or, you know, like in-depth stories. But, um, you know, it's whiskey news from around the world, too. And Mark has access to, he's been doing this for quite some time, um, and has access to, you know, all the big brands and um, the ambassadors and things like that and distillers. So um, I really, I really love the whiskey cast and I love what Mark does. And I just wanted to make sure that I gave him a shout out on this show. Very and that's, cool. that's me. That's all I got. All right. Well, I actually have something I wasn't really prepared for this segment but um <laughs> i actually have the perfect the perfect thing to bring up and, and i was telling uh telling matt about it there's a um a show on youtube that i i've seen one episode of but i'm going to go back and watch watch more of there's a little a show called metal head to head on youtube and the episode it's basically takes two um, members of different metal bands sits them down and they just kind of it's almost like they interview each other they just kind of talk and ask each other questions and maybe share some shared you know stories and experiences and it's really really cool because the bands even though they're both um metal bands there's some they, I think they pair them up so that there's some kind of a difference between them, but yet there's still enough in common that they can have a good conversation. Um, the one I watched was, you know, be, coincidentally enough, was um, Alex Skolnick from Testament and, and Michael, Sweet. Um, Michael Sweet from Striper. <laughs> and, which, and, and they talk really about Christian good. bands. And, um, Testament and Striper. <laughs> yeah, as an I example. The and there's another one here without Joe Satriani, Joe Satriani and Vinnie Paul. Um, there's that Rudy would be a Sarzo cool and watch. Frank Bello too. Yeah. So I am going to be watching more of that. And I would recommend that to anyone who's into metal music. Oh yeah. Awesome. I like it. How about you, Maddie? <clears throat> well, I have to, Delve into my wrestling world. Everyone sighs. Oh, wrestling. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, you know, since Jenny and I, Jenny from Pretty Good for a Girl, obviously, uh, started our, you know, Wrestling with Respect podcast, um, we have connected with, uh, you know, quite a few smaller wrestling podcasts. Um, on Instagram, and I just want to give a few of them a shout out. Uh, great content uh, that they put forward on their podcast. Um, so the Twenty by Twenty podcast, uh, the Matt Men podcast, uh, Through the Table podcast, and the Mixed Tag Team podcast uh, have all friended us and liked all of our stuff and have been kind of supportive for us. So I uh, just wanted to thank them and go check them out if you're wrestling fans. Of any age. Very cool. Yeah. Well, also, if you're a wrestling fan of any age or just you don't even have to be a wrestling fan, I highly recommend you listening to Wrestling with Respect, Matt oh, yeah. and Jenny's show. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I listen to it. I know jack shit about wrestling. Um, 
I know some stuff about Hulk Hogan and was his name Randy Savage? Macho Man, Randy Savage. Macho Man. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, all those. Well, like back (laughs) in the day when, what was it? Was it Friday nights wrestling would come on in the 80s? Saturday night. Yeah. Saturday nights. Saturday night's main event. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a big fan of Glow um, in the 80s as well. I loved Glow. That's it. That's the extent of what I know. Um, And I listened to your show and I am excited to learn and you guys are really funny, so I can't wait to hear more. Yeah. Thank you. Second that. You're welcome. Oh, you and if it was crap, I would tell the listeners. You know me. I don't care. It's true. It's like, the show's it's crap. True. It's true. But he it pays would break me my to heart, keep putting, it, putting it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the end. The end. Uh, get us out of here. All right. Thanks for sticking around, listeners. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did. And as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter as the Spirit of Rock Podcast Network or as Metal Rock and Whiskey. And um, we also have a Facebook group under our podcast network name, Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. And you can also follow us individually. You can find me at Bourbon Geek on the Instagrams. Um, Sailor, where can they find you? You can find me all over the internet as Sailor Retro. Matt? And of course, you can find me at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. And that's it. We're done. We're out of here. That's it. The end. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. All Hope right. you enjoyed. Remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Metal Rock and Whiskey Podcast. Later, everyone. Fuck you, Lars. We're done. All right. That was a rough one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a bitch to edit. Uh, I know. I feel really bad. I'm sorry. Maybe I should edit. I don't know. Why was that so bad? Oh, just the oh, because the whole the oh, bullet, thing and, bullet thing and oh, there was yeah, a couple, was a yeah. couple of spots in there that we <laughs> yeah it was a little yeah. ouchy.